Happy New Year, Adam. Can you believe it? Happy New Year, Jack. 2024. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what I get really annoyed about is like New Year's, the, the New Year's resolution culture. Like I'm so, oh. I've always been so like anti-culture that I, like, I never make a New Year's resolution because people don't make New Year's because people make them. And so I don't want to make them. But especially because around this time of year, post Christmas, I'm like, you know what? I legitimately need to kick my exercise back into gear because all the eating and stuff like that. And so for me, it's always I, I, I get back into exercising again, not because it's the new year, but because it's after Christmas yeah. <laughs> and I've eaten terribly for the past week. And so here I am, like I'm starting. And so everyone's like, oh, is this your new, new year's resolution? I'm like, I hope not, because like one, I don't make these things and two, those are going to fail. But then, like, you can't go to the gym because then there's all the new people at the gym. I, oh, I, I wish. I don't do gyms. <laughs> I don't do the gym. Like, I just, oh, I just, I just want to be able to work out and not have people think it's a New Year's resolution, right? I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about resolutions and New Year's and. Oh, I try to make 800 of them. Like, I'm going to go walk every day or I'm going to go <laughs> jogging again and all that fun stuff. Um. I generally fail at every resolution I make I mean, in the years. I uh, think I want to make a resolution. Drinks in me. <laughs> I think I want to make a resolution of something I want to stop doing because I'm guaranteed to start the thing. I right? Does that work? Like my New Year's resolution is to eat junk food every day. Like maybe then I'll stop eating junk food. Does it? Does it work that way? I don't think. No, because my wife cooks really well. And uh, my problem <laughs> is is like ziti bake. Um, and stews and when my wife cooks she she tends to cook like so because she was an, she's a nurse she works at night um sometimes and on the weekends sometimes it's crazy schedule nursing people got the whole medical field's crazy and oh my gosh it's crazy yeah, absolutely crazy oh god i couldn't imagine dealing with what they, they have to deal with but the weird the funny thing is is like so i'll always have ziti bake and i'll have deliciousness in my fridge like i got three burritos in the in the fridge right now because we had burritos last night like just so much good food it's hard and you know to, and then cookies because my life wastes to bake and we're married 20 years at the end of this month so wow. congrats yeah congrats in advance well welcome everybody it's it's demo jockey sam first one of the new year so happy Yay, 2024 everybody i'm your, i'm your host jack cochran with me my host adam d tomaso adam d tomaso how's how's it How going you doing, jack yeah how's everybody doing uh glad you guys could be here it was a fun last year excited for this next month we're kicking off with this book that i'm gonna hold up the right way uh the six habits of highly effective sales engineers without covering the name as we talked about last episode uh Adam and I just had a great conversation uh, just going through the books. We're excited to hop into that. Uh, yes. Anything you, you wanted to bring up, though, before we before we hop into talking about the book, Adam? Uh, you know, just other than everyone, I hope you enjoy your new year. I hope you have a wonderful, prosperous new year. And stay listening to us every week because it's going to get a lot of fun. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. All right, let, let's get into the episode. Let's talk about the six habits of highly effective sales engineers. I like this book. I thought this was a very, it was an easy to read book. It was, I mean, this is something I read in two days. Oh, nice. A couple hours day one, couple hours day two, and I was done. And that's kind of important to me. But where I want to jump into today is, or what I thought really was neat, what I liked about is the idea of talking about you are in sales. Yeah. Guess what? 
You're not you a consultant. A, you are a you are part of the sales team, definitely, and you are in sales. <laughs> yeah. It is one of those things I agree. When I was reading through it, I was like, yeah, we're starting here in the book. And I feel like with good reason, because I've definitely met people who are like, oh, no, no, I'm not in sales. I'm a solutions consultant. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're in sales. Guess, what? Guess what? your job is to sell something. That's your job. End of day. Uh, you won't be happy in your job and you won't get paid your commission and your company will have problems if you decide not to sell. <laughs> yep. Look at your pay plan. It's based on your performance. Yeah. And that is a reality of the situation because, you know, I think a lot of SCs come from... Nowadays, it's funny. I used, 10 years ago, I would say a lot of SCs came from technical support. Sure. But I think with the advent of the pre-sales academy, I think that the industry has opened up to everyone. Mm-hmm. So we've yeah. we've grown as an industry. We have you know people can now essentially I want to go into pre-sales without a technical background. And then I can because I can get the skill set to be able to do that. And the I think this entry is, a, is a lot clarifying. is a lot lower now than it used to be for sure. And I am seeing oh, a lot yeah. of paths of people in like say BDR, SDR roles looking to move into pre-sales positions. And yeah, it's it's definitely a sales function. I think one the reason why sometimes you, people get wrapped around the axle about that is because often uh, in pre-sales, we get the benefit of our customer not thinking of us as being in sales, mm. which, which that I think is pretty good to lean into, right? Because if, especially if they've got that mindset of the salesperson just wants to make the sale and get out and leave... Well, I'm going to trust the solutions consultant because they are not a they're not a seller. Yeah, Fine. they're not a slimy salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, truth be told, we're getting paid on commission just like that, just like the salesperson, right? But it's the perception of the customer that oh, this is not a salesperson. But at the end of the day, no, you're in sales and tactics on actually making good sales. What will make you better in pre-sales, and you, you need to be okay with that. Like that, this is your job. And this yeah. is what's making you money. <laughs> you know, when I when I got into pre-sales, it's funny. I I want I, I originally before I got into technical stuff, I, mean, I was in sales. I like to sell. I was a salesperson. Heck, I even tried to sell cars and just failed miserably at it. <laughs> and if you put me in an AE role again, I think I would just fail miserably at it. But what I did like about pre-sales was is we get the the pressure, I guess you could say, of, of having to perform, of having to do well and, and having to, you know, c contribute to the sale, but not necessarily the pressure of the close. And that's what I think, that's what worked for me was not having that closure or that pressure of having to produce a closed deal. Because once in my career, very early as a pre-seller, um, it was a neat situation. It was one of my first enterprise deals, but the salesperson basically got fired in the middle of the process. And mm -hmm. the sales manager just kind of looked at me and went, guess what? You're going to take it over. I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, you're taking over something mid-flight, not saying, by the way, you need to start keep building all their pipeline or, oh, yeah. you know, things one which deal. are <laughs> just on the one deal. But I, I think that's a part that a lot of times in pre-sales, I, I see a lot of people who who have not had any exposure to 
what it's like to be a seller of any sort. And so there's this thought of, well, what is it that they do? Like, I'm the one doing all the work in these meetings. I'm, whenever we are in a meeting together, they say a little introduction, they do their little slides, and then I'm spending, I'm doing all of the heavy lifting of helping them see the value and the use cases and the demonstrations and everything else. What's the seller there for? I should get their commission. I think it's <laughs> just comes from a little bit of lack of knowledge of there's a lot that went into getting this opportunity to where it's at right now. There's a lot of behind the scenes relationship stuff that require daily attention that you're probably not involved in. And the end of the day, Absolutely there's a not. lot of work that goes in actually getting this thing across the finish line. There's a lot between a customer is happy versus a customer has actually taken the money out of their wallet and given it to you. And right. <laughs> if you think that's nothing, you should try a stint as an account executive. It's not an easy job. It's a job that's definitely complementary to what we do. But it's a very different role. It's, you gotta, I mean, one of the things I've learned about that role from, you know, I there's certain people in my career, salespeople that I've worked with, that very much helped me direct my career and how I demoed, how I performed, how I, mm -hmm. you know, how I presented an RFP to how I presented a demo to how I ever did all of that. And there are certain ones that can help you and be allies to you and make you a better seller and make you a better better communicator so it's real important to listen to those salespeople. i think and and particularly if you find one that's been around the blocks got a lot of good success um some of the smartest salespeople i ever knew were all vps of sales who decided to carry a bag again meaning they they did their run as a vp and you know, it was just whatever. I'm done with that. I'd rather just go back to being an individual contributor because I made more money that way because I was a successful <laughs> salesperson. <laughs> Those yeah. types of people can really help you. And absolutely. it's good to have a good relationship with them. No, absolutely. Like it's what we do is very much uh, if you're in a job, if you're at a company selling software where there needs to be a pre-sales team, a solution consulting team, a sales engineering team. It means that it is a difficult enough technology that it requires multiple people to go after not only helping someone understand what it is that you do, helping them to see the value in it, getting it, getting multiple people within an organization to see that value and make a purchase decision. Like it's, it's a team sport, and that's something that I think it's important to highlight right off the bat here, and then that Chris gets into a lot for a little bit in the book as well, around building those AE relationships. You need to have that good relationship with your sellers. You need to work together. You need to strategize together. You need to be on the same team. You need to be prepared together. You need to make sure you both understand what you're doing, because uh, it's not something you are doing solo as much as sometimes it does feel like it when you're brought in mid to late stage and feel like you're then doing the only thing on the account at that point. Right. So I, I think, yeah, it's, I love that the book started off there and I, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more, uh, that it's something that's, <laughs> that needs a little bit of attention. It needs a little bit of, a little bit of, Hey, the jokes on LinkedIn sometimes are funny about, you know, an AE pulling you into a qualified demo. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> right. But yeah. Let's be careful. These are these are our, you know, these are our coworkers. These are the people that we need in order for us to be successful. We all got the same goal. We all want to pay our mortgage at the end of the day and <laughs> and you know, all that great stuff and get a paycheck and all that. 
you know, we all want to win. Is kind of yeah. what my point is. You know, it's funny. One of the first things that I really made a note on in the book that really jumped out at me and just going right out to is the idea right on the page 36 of what gets in the way. Sometimes our counterparts don't qualify for an opportunity or a customer request. Maybe we weren't simply given all the information. This is what I like to call the fear demo or the insta demo or the, the what I or even better, more probably a better term would be the discovery demo. Yeah, let's give it, the give it the nice term, you, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice term. Hey, we don't know what, but we got to show them something because they, yeah. they said they didn't want to show up to the meeting if they didn't see something, right? All right. And yeah, I, look, look, the there is a shifting tide in sales over the past, I'd say, five or six years, especially since COVID, I think even more. Yeah. People don't buy the way they used to. People aren't willing to sit around and wait for three months after they click that want to see a demo now button, that yeah. see a demo now button never goes to a demo. No. <laughs> it goes to a form that goes to a BDR who calls you and asks you, do you have budget? Do you have budget now? Do you have the approval to spend? Is this a real need? Are you replacing software? If you answer those questions the right way, be sure you lie so you answer them the right way. And then and only then will you get to talk to someone else. Who will yep. still talk to you and ask you more questions? You still won't see anything. No, no, no. We're a few months away from that. Like the old way of selling, <laughs> people don't want to do that anymore, right? That's just not. People want to actually see a demo, and so, so a lot of times it is we haven't fully qualified it, we haven't uncovered all their pain, but they're they're not going to talk to us anymore unless we show them something, and right, we should. We should. We need to have a give and take mechanism. Do you have you ever run into an SC and no names need to be given, but have you ever run into SC who's a bit of a stonewall in that in that regard? What do you mean by stonewall? Like just they they're unwilling to Yeah. Like they, no, they just won't budge. Won't budge. Difficult, you know, to be fair, I mean, we all get there's a lot of different personalities in this world. We all know that. Yeah, yeah. Some people can be not fun. And not, I mean, and not easy to be deal with. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's usually with this is the way, I'm. you know, I've never seen a successful, you know, I rarely see a successful opportunity if we don't follow these exact steps and they live by their process. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think we've all seen, worked with and run into those. And um, yeah, I, I don't see them as much anymore, but I still, I definitely have. Yeah. Yeah. My advice there or my direction there, my thoughts are there is, is you're limiting your flexibility. Mm -hmm. You, um, in, after reading this book and thinking about my own job and you know, being an SC for a long time, my biggest asset was my flexibility. Like, hmm. Adam, we have a demo. I need you to demo in two hours. And, you know, I didn't demo easy concepts. I still don't. You know, so... Then there's the question of do they are they actually gonna be um, which this is ties down to later stuff down that we're gonna have later folks in our conversation particularly, <laughs> but what are they gonna ask me to show? What am I not ready to show? What can I show? What did product marketing put out last week and they didn't tell us that's a new feature that they might want to see? <laughs> yeah, all the things that we don't know about, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no flexibility is one of those traits that. You don't tend to see that on a sales engineer job description, but I think you're right. It is very, it's critical, right? 
-hmm. we need some inherent flexibility to just to be able to react now do we want every every interaction to be the hey i this i'm sorry this popped up in two hours no we would all go insane (laughs) that's not that's not a good way to work right? right but there is something about having a to your point discovery demo ready to go even with a with even the most complex process you can probably distill down what you do to a few minutes at the really high level really high level a few minutes and for most people showing them something for a few minutes at a really high level will be enough to get started to get the conversation rolling to get them to open up because now they've seen something now they're willing to say, okay, that piece there, you know, that's really interesting. We can't do that today. And well, why can't you do that? Well, here's what we've tried to do. All of a sudden, boom, you're in the middle of the discovery that you wanted in order to do a demo first. And it took right. you just a few minutes. Bit of a technical difficulty there. So as you notice, we're now sitting here in different clothing. Uh, hair maybe looking a little bit different. <laughs> we had some Still te- got the same book, though. We had talked about the same book. Had some technical difficulties. Adam's equipment just decided to break on us. So we had to get that all set up and fixed. New day. We're going to keep the conversation going here about six habits <laughs> of highly effective sales engineers. Sometimes things will go wrong, even when you've clicked every click. And Chris actually has a list on page 114, what to do when something does go wrong. I like this list. I'll read kind of the highlights. Don't panic. Don't blame the tool. Don't say, oh, again, what's happening, etc. Don't act like nothing has happened or nothing went wrong, right? Yep. Don't freeze like a deer in the headlights. Don't right. don't crawl into a mental bubble, stare at your computer, etc. Don't think out loud or start murmuring. Don't spend too much time trying to solve the problem. Don't try to reconfigure. Don't over-explain. Don't make issues bigger than they are, and don't allow issues to ruin the rest of the demo. That was a real quick, high-level, I just zoomed through them. And all of these are spot on because as, as I was reading this list, I'm like, I've done every single one of these. In fact, the one that mm-hmm. I go to, and I'd love to hear from you, the one I tend to go to is I tend to highlight what just went wrong and then explain how, yeah, you see, here's why it went wrong. But they don't know one. They don't. No one want to know that. Nobody they don't does. want to know why. But that's, but that's my that's freeze. I, that, that's my freeze. And I, I tend to do the thing where you're going, oh, well, you see, here's what happened. Here's why this, this is why it's not <laughs> an issue for you. you. I'm just, and, and meanwhile, they're going, something went wrong. Like half the time, they might not have even noticed something went wrong. And I think that's the main thing is stop drawing so much attention to it if it does go wrong and just move on. Now, if it's mm-hmm. obvious, like you said, you don't want to pretend like nothing happened, so don't do that. But if it's like the sidebar didn't load, do they need to know that there was a sidebar that didn't load? No, just move on. You're gonna be fine. Particularly if it's something <laughs> not relevant to your demo, and if you can just quick, if you can just quickly move <laughs> off of it, acknowledge, move off, and keep going. Hey. But don't say, I mean, I mean, even adding to, you know, saying things like, oh, we're a startup or, you know, something like that. Just, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, you're a startup? Oh, okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> so now I know I'm not software doesn't work? Is that what you oh, mean? Okay. Like, it's just bound to. So it's, these demo instances, you know, you know, these demo instances, yeah. they're, they're, oh, man, they just don't work, you know. <laughs> I want to talk a minute, though. I think it's important because that's a problem. I mean, the whole thing's a problem. But there's there's a deeper thought process with click every click in my opinion okay the packages that 
we're deal- that we're working with folks. Like it could be software, it could be you could be working on a VM, or it could be something that you use on demand. So it's either an application you're loading via a browser, or maybe you have your own VM instance. But whatever that mechanism may be, what I I always had kind of a couple of golden rules, and one of those golden rules is my iPhone. So I love my iPhone. I love the hotspot. And when I click every click, when I give demos and presentations on site in their office, I never trust their Wi-Fi. Well, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I'd rather click every click on my phone, cache all the pages. I know it's good. I know my phone works. I know I'm going to be in Manhattan, so I know I'm going to have 5G. Like, these are all consistencies to me. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, when we're demoing software, we're not showing a movie so you don't need a lot of bandwidth. And if you can get by with just hotspotting to your phone, avoiding their connection, because you don't know what kind of security they have in place. Yeah. You don't want them making up excuses, being, oh, it's our security, or, oh, we can't show that to you today because our internet doesn't allow it. You're an SC. One of the best ways to avoid something that could cause a problem, like their internet connection, is to avoid it and use your own. Yeah, I found that to be an extremely reliable scenario. And it's funny, just on the opposite side of that coin, if I was in a VMware, I probably have all my internet disabled on my laptop. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's, that is a, if, if you are someone who, do, who, who has the, the benefit and the curse of being able to demo out of uh, VMware as I have in the past, yep. yeah, just, you know, there, there are, now I, I did a software once that I had to run in a VMware, but then I had to show it in a browser. Man, I had to do funky network things to make it work, but I set it up in a way that I was never reliant on an external network address actually working. Like my computer had a hard time communicating with the internet on a regular basis because of what I did with it in order to demo it properly. Um, but, but that's what you had that's to what, do. That's what I had to do, right? And so yeah, do the things that you need to do to make sure that you're as hardened as possible, whatever scenario that you're in. Now, nowadays, most of the time, you're probably going to be demoing from the from your home. So it's not that's the internet connection is not as big of an issue. But you still want to make sure, you know, if you have to hook in your company's VPN, verify a half hour to an hour before the meeting that 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 that, that VPN is actually working and not down in the day for some reason. Uh, so you can right. open a ticket, right? The the biggest thing that I've seen is like you you really only get that first chance to make that first impression. That's what you're doing. You're making sure that the first things that someone sees is what you are expect want them to see, and there's going to be no hiccups. But also just from your mental flow perspective there's nothing that will pull you out of what you're wanting to do and hop you into features faster than something going wrong right because as soon as something goes wrong now you're focusing on the features that you can't show well you're not supposed to focus on the features anyway you're supposed to be focusing on the value you're supposed to be focusing on the things that they care about what ultimately is going to provide some value so when you're just sitting there going oh no this feature thing's not working now we're talking about a feature Eh, we've lost it. We've lost the script of why we're even talking in the first place. Right. It, and, I mean, it's it just, it, it, you know, you bring up a good point, check a half an hour before, because if something does go wrong and you find a showstopper, a bug, a down VPN, you have time to reschedule the meeting. It's better to reschedule something than it is to turn around and fail in the middle of it, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, no, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the reschedule and, you know, um, there's lots of reasons why you can set up to reschedule. You can just, normally it's just, Hey, we need to reschedule the time today. We're, we're yeah. even able to make the time work. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely saves face over that. And, uh, you know, 
but also it allows you to potentially take, like, let's say there's just one part of your software not working, right? Let's say you're going through, you're clicking on every click, and you discover mm -hmm. this piece is not working today. There's two things that you need to do. One, decide, can we still move forward? More than likely, you can. Okay, still move yeah. forward. You need to then communicate with your AE. Do not tell me to ad lib and go to this part of the platform <laughs> or this feature of our software. It's not working right now. We can't show it today. So if they want to see that, we can say, we'd love to show that. We don't have it ready for you today to show it to you, but I'll prepare that for next time. You know, right. just need to have in, in communication with everyone who's going to be in the meeting of, hey, feature D is not working. We cannot go to feature D. We can parking lot it. We can talk about it. But do not say, hey, Jack, why don't you pull it up? <laughs> I laugh. I really do. I, I cringed whenever I hear that. It's like I've actually banned some people that I work with from using the phrase, hey, Jack, can you just pull up? Yeah. Because there may be a reason why I'm not showing it that they don't know. They might forget or et cetera. I always have this is this is what I've worked out. This this is a big part of also the book about having a good relationship with your AEs. What I work out yeah. with them is if you want me to go somewhere in the platform, you message me. Private message, Jack, can we go here? To which I'll say, yes, I'll go there or no, I won't. Do not ask me live in front of the customer. That's like saying, hey, mom, can Jake come and sleep over tonight while Jake is yeah. standing right there? <laughs> yeah, Don't do that. Much. Don't do that. You've got no, you can't, because like, then, I mean, I've been put in the situation where I've had to say, no, I can't show that today. It's not ready to show. Oh, come on. It's just so easy for you to pull up. No. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. But yeah Bad SC. Have rather. that good AE relationship, right? Have the time with them, the strategy with them where you've got a good back and forth around what to do if the AE is sensing going in a different direction, wants you to go a different direction. Make sure you've got those communication lines open and you know a good relationship will go a long way towards having a good meeting when that happens because – Let's not discount, as we talked about before, the AEs have a lot invested in what they're doing here. They may have a good idea, and they may be actually probably back-channeling potentially with a champion if one's built. Hey, this group's not interested in this. Move off of it. Perfect. Right. Got to clue me into that, as opposed to trying to code word your way verbally through the meeting. Yeah. I, I mean, and the nice thing is, is that like with a lot of online meetings, I, I have... Two dual monitors, I highly recommend it because one can be your demo and one can be your Slack. Mm -hmm. And if they're if they want to use that, I mean Slack is a great tool for back channel. You can mute it. You can you can I mean, leave it honestly, in the corner. Invest in a stand for your phone and have the Slack up on your phone if you don't have that, right? And have you have that's, it set to not too. have the screen turn off during the meeting and have it up. So you can always flick your eyes down. But that way you're not like looking down or something like that. It's just it's there. I have mine set. So that I have my screen here and I have my phone on a stand right beneath it. So during meetings, I've got a thread that we decide on beforehand pulled up saying, this is our thread. I will not be checking other threads or DMs. Use this thread because I can't actively toggle on my phone to a different DM during the meeting. So keep it in the thread. But you got to tell me something. Boom. It's right there. I can see it. And the and most effective relax. AEs, most effective demos I've had is one where they're saying, hey, this is good. Five more minutes on this, let's move to the next topic. I'm getting a question from so-and-so. Do you see the question from so-and-so? Why don't we stop and address that? I'm getting some guidance. And so all anyone is seeing on the screen is just me going through and effortlessly addressing questions, et cetera. But I've got my AEs and others in the room feeding me information and direction and calling the shots. Like, that's a good partnership you want to build.
that's just part one. We've got one more segment we're going to do on that next week. So make sure you have followed us, subscribed to us everywhere so you can see the rest of Adam and my conversation. Before we kind of wrap things up, though, Adam, what do you got for us this week in the Demo Zone? The, the Demo, demo Zone. zone. <laughs> Going with a little bit of an echo effect just because it's a lot of fun in the new year. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to talk about our friend here, the mouse. Mm. And this is a real simple one, an easy one. And if you want a guarantee to make every member of your audience seasick, keep moving this around. Just, just nonstop movement. Oh just just nonstop movement. Oof. Make sure you click every menu that has small type so they can't read it. And I hope you feel my sarcasm too, folks, because <laughs> the reality is, is do not do this. Like As soon as you move your mouse over something, take your hand off it. Yeah, absolutely. The no, best that's way the to best stop. tip. Just let go. There's no reason to keep holding that mouse while you're talking. Yeah. Did and I'm going to give you a little other little trick. And I learned this from Bob Dole. The, the younger audience members may not remember him, but to our older audience members, they may. He was a great, he was a good politician, um, whether you agree with him or not. But uh, one of the things he, in his later life, he had Parkinson's disease. And what Bob Dole would do was he would hold the, he had the shakes, and he would do is he would hold the pen, and he would grip that pen tight, and it would keep him from shaking. Now, I know that I don't have Parkinson's disease, but one of the things that I have a problem with to this day is I think due to my Italianness, I tend to talk with my hands a lot. So what I do is I keep a pen in my hand and I will just, I may click it a little bit, but I may hold it. I may twirl it in my fingers, but it keeps my hands occupied and it keeps me on point and it keeps me away from the, the from mouse. Jiggling the mouse. And, yeah. Until Please I need don't. to use it. Please don't jiggle the mouse. It, it's, I've been in a mouse jiggly demo and you just want them to end. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> so don't be in the situation where people want you to end just because you're moving your mouse. That's not. That's not what you want. You want people to want you to end because they're sick of what you're talking about. I think. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> or they've enjoyed it. Or they've. <laughs> well, sure. We'll go. We'll go with that one thing. Anyway, excellent stop in the demo zone, Adam. I really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who are wanting to know what's coming up next later this month, we're actually going to have Chris White, the author of the book, is going to be joining us for the, sec uh, the third and fourth episode of this month. So please make sure you're tuned in for that. Subscribe, follow, leave us a review. Best thing that you can possibly do is tell your friends about us. About us. Uh, that really helps up the episodes, help out, helps out the show a lot. So please do that. And for those of you wanting to get ahead on the read for next month, next month we're going through Doing Discovery by Peter Cohen. It's going to be... Great. If those of you don't know, he is the author of Great Demo. This is a book he released uh, late last year, and it covers the pre-demo stuff on doing good discoveries in SE. Fantastic read, both for SEs and account executives alike. Everyone involved in sales should be reading this book, in my opinion. But that's what's Absolutely. coming up. But uh, that's all we got time for today. Adam, pleasure as always. We'll uh, always. We'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Bye.